authors, editors, publishers, book cover designers, agents, critics, readers. A whole lot of professionals come together for a book. We are going to explore the world of books in our unique podcast show called Book Lounge. Book Lounge is brought to you by iCafe Podcasts, born with a collaboration between Tell Me Your Story and Zero Hour Entertainment. I am your host, Koral Dasgupta, all set to ask some interesting, straightforward and fun questions to our guests. We will be talking today to author Manjari Prabhu, who is also a dear friend, but more importantly, she runs the Pune International Literature Festival and recently she has also started Pune International Spiritual Festival. Welcome to the show, Manjari. Hi, Koral. So, Manjari, most importantly, something that I always wanted to ask you is, astrology plays a role in your uh, books, which is very unique and very unlikely. I mean, you write thrillers and I have seen that a lot of astrology plays an important role there. How did it get there? What is the role of astrology in your life? Oh, yes. So, astrology has a very huge role. I've grown up, uh, you know, uh, being in this atmosphere of astrology because my mom is an astrologer. And yes, and uh, she's a very renowned astrologer, in fact, and uh, she is um, uh, very highly sought. So Mm -hmm. it's very easy for me. I've been, uh, you know, using her like, how should I say, a a sounding board, an advisory board, all kinds Mm -hmm. of board, because for every single thing I go to her. So, uh, okay. but but the, how, how did it happen in the books? Well, um, there's a story attached to it. Um, uh, so there was uh, this one uh, Bollywood director who mm-hmm. once wanted to ask my mom something. He said, it's very urgent. And they were in a bit of a, you know, kind of a party. So mm-hmm. luckily she remembered his um, horoscope and she said, what is it? So he said, tell me if uh, I shall ever have a son. Mm-hmm. And she looked at his horoscope and said, uh, do you want to go somewhere private? Because I want, I mean, there's something I need to tell you. So I said, no, no, all these are friends. You can just tell me what it is. Mm-hmm. So she said, okay, uh, you asked me if you can ever, will ever have a son. And your horoscope says that you already have a son, except that you can't claim him as yours. <laughs> and so, yes. And so when, uh, uh, you know, when she, when she told him this, he was, of course, shocked because it was true. Uh, and when she told me this, I was shocked because I realized the potential of a horoscope. Uh, mm-hmm. It was like an X-ray of a person and you could tell so many things from it, whether you believe in it or not. And I wondered why had no one ever used it in solving a crime? Because mm-hmm. uh, along with all the deduction methods and the police methods, this was one very important tool to really probe into the mind of a character of a person. And I said, mm-hmm. let me try to use this in fiction. I didn't. I, I don't think anyone had ever done that. So that's how the Cosmic Clues and Stellar Signs was born. So Manjuri, since you began with thrillers, uh, would you like to tell us how challenging it is to write a thriller? Because thriller is not something that goes by a general flow. It has, it has a lot of backlinks. You go back take clues from there, go to the fr- go to front. And there is a lot of, you know, th- that uh, permutation combination happening. How difficult or how easy is it to write a thriller? Well, I think it's a, it's a very difficult format, mm-hmm. uh, not because I'm writing it, but because I know that with every book that I write, I find it more and more difficult, uh, simply because uh, any mystery or thriller will not follow, um, how should I say, a, f- a free-flowing format. Uh, you know, normally authors can sit and let the let the novel develop on its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't do that with mystery, at least the kind of mysteries I write or the way yeah. I work. Uh, I have to work backwards from who did it. Mm-hmm. And when I when I say that, it means that I know who's done it. And now I don't want the readers to know who did it right till the last right. page, which means there's a lot of uh, 
uh, how should I say, format, formatting and lots of construction of plot, lots of uh, clues, lots of layering of characters. Everything adds to the surprise element of the novel. And mm-hmm. that is why it is it is difficult. And uh, because deceiving the reader and yet keeping the reader happy are two mm-hmm. very, uh, you know, contrasting things that you have to achieve. And that is very difficult, I feel. So, uh, yeah, it's not an easy format to write. You say it's such a beautiful thing that deceiving the reader and yet keeping the reader happy is a difficult thing to achieve. I mean, these are the things that I take back as my learning as well. Uh, So, uh, Manjari, once again, that uh, since you have been into astrology and with books, obviously books are a part of of every author's heart. So given that truth, do you have uh, specific uh, expectations when it comes to the books and are you very specific about it for example uh, i don't know anything about astrology so being a layman if i may ask you that for example book cover designs right there are elements to be placed in particular locations uh, there are colors to be used do you have a say in those or do you completely trust the designer on that uh, well i like to have a say in it if yes. i can uh, simply because, yeah, simply because uh, uh, when I was a kid, the first thing that drew me to a book uh, was the cover. Mm-hmm. And I felt that uh, even before I could read, I knew that the cover used to fascinate me. The covers still fascinate me. And I feel that it's a very important step to creating a readership. So when it comes right. to my books, I try to make sure that I have the cover the way I would like it. I mean, if I had mm-hmm. to see this book in a, in a, in a group of 100 books, it has mm-hmm. to stand out. And I want to make sure that it does stand out. So, I, yes, I do give in my uh, suggestions and I do make changes. And luckily for me, my publishers agreed with me. So, well, yes, I think it's very important. The cover has to be just perfect for the mood of the book. So, given that, you have published with many publishers, right? You don't publish with one publisher. No, I've done seven, eight years. That's Yes. That's so, uh, you must have interacted with so many people in the publishing world. Would you like to tell us uh, an inspiring memory from there? Someone you may have interacted with, someone who have contributed a lot to your writing, to your, to you as a person. How does that investment happen? Uh, well, yes, it's a, that's not really an easy question because I think uh, every editor in every way has added a little bit to my knowledge and, you know, to my learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, having said that, there's one editor particularly called Kate Misiak. So mm-hmm. these two books of mine, uh, The Cosmic Clues and uh, Stellar Science, which was originally The Astral Alibi, were mm-hmm. published by Random House USA. Mm-hmm. And my editor then was Kate Misiak, who was also the VP of Bantam Books. Mm-hmm. And when I started working with her, I was very, very nervous, very nervous because mm-hmm. it was my first international editor, my first international publishing house. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you know, with I just kept feeling, you know, our English... There's so many inhibitions in your mind. I never had any, but when it came to these two books and Random House USA, I was a little worried, you know, mm-hmm. the kind of editing that was going to take place. But you won't believe it. When the books came to me for proofreading, there were barely any corrections in it. She had oh. added changes. And and so when I, I when I asked her, you know, how, how, I mean, well, how did you like the books? So she said that each book is stronger than the first one. Mm-hmm. So, and I, uh, so it's, it kind of stayed with me, the confidence she, she kind of showed in me. Mm-hmm. And I felt, I think that's where I really got the confidence of never doubting my writing, ever. Mm-hmm. She said, mm-hmm. whatever you've written is good enough and I don't want to make any changes. 
um, except for a little Americanization of words that were needed. Mm. Like, for example, Idli Sambar had to be explained or Pau Bhaji mm. had to be explained because mm. the books take place in India, Pune, and they were being published uh, in America. So she wanted right. a few. Yeah. So those were the only things she added. But uh, she gave me so much confidence in my writing that I don't mm. think I've ever looked back. That's a lot of liberty for a writer also, no? that yes. then an editor understands you so much from Absolutely. inside. Absolutely. I've never had an issue with any editor ever after that. I mean, ne- not that I had mm-hmm. before, but uh, I know when I when I want to say no and I know when I want to say yes to an editor completely. Wonderful. So why did yeah. you go to uh, Random House USA? Was it just an experiment or you had a reason or I you were a- being agented? No, there was there was a reason for it. I had written. So uh, this was in 2004 and I'd written the books in about 2002. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I I came up with this idea of astrology and crime and all. And I thought, what a brilliant idea. Let me submit it to all the Indian publishers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you won't believe it. Every single Indian publisher then uh, kind of rejected the book. And I was okay. very surprised. Yeah, because in 2004, I don't think any Indian woman author was writing mystery. I was the first. Mm-hmm. So it was a very new concept for them. We were all into mm-hmm. heavily into literary fiction. And mainstream yeah. fiction still had to come in in a big mm-hmm. way. So probably that was one of the reasons, which mm-hmm. was a good thing for me, because what I did was uh, I said, it's all right. I don't if the Indian publishers don't want it. I found myself an American agent who got mm-hmm. me a two book deal with Random House. So instead of earning in rupees, I earned in dollars. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great thing for me. <laughs> yeah. God bless that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, Manjiri, the closest person when it comes yeah. to setting up a literature festival, the closest person I have known is you. Okay. So I would like to ask you that how was it to set up Pune International Literature Festival? I mean, it's a huge uh, responsibility to get into from yeah. simply book writing. How did it come to you and how did you go about it? Like you said, it's a huge, huge task, a huge responsibility. And uh, well, one of the reasons was that uh, Pune had no lit fest. There were lit fests happening all over uh, India, but nothing in Pune. And I Mm -hmm. thought it was uh, me and, uh, you know, my team thought that uh, let's bring a literature festival to Pune. Mm -hmm. And that is how it started. However, when we did that, we had no clue of the kind of the gigantic leap I was taking from being mm-hmm. a writer, like you said, a mere writer to an mm-hmm. organizer. It's a mm-hmm. huge, huge task. And I had no idea the kind of uh, hidden <laughs> treasures I had within me. Uh, it requires, <laughs> yeah, I call them treasures because I've learned a lot over the years. PILF has grown from 2013 to 2020 into a, one of the top lit fests of uh, mm-hmm. India today. And I'm really proud of it, not just because of what I have achieved, but because mm-hmm. what... Uh, PILF uh, has a, become. Has become, yes. And it's of course, my team is very involved in it. And there are a lot of people, there are authors who have supported me. And uh, it's it's a huge thing. But what mm-hmm. I really learned from it is that being a writer is one thing, being an organizer is another thing. Uh, for the, One of the main reasons is that you have to raise funds for a huge festival like that. Mm-hmm. Everything has to be budgeted. I had no idea of the kind of uh, sums, mathematics and calculations <laughs> I would be involved in. Uh, the kind of, uh, uh, you know, the curating is at least even a part of it. Uh, the curating is fun sometimes, but it's like a jigsaw puzzle where you have 170 jigsaw pieces strewn all over 
uh, India and then I try to bring in pieces from every part of the country to put them in one little panel uh, mm -hmm. you know and try to make some sense out of that panel and uh, with the hope of not repeating it every year so you have to bring in novelty you have to bring mm -hmm. in new speakers you have to bring in new work you have mm -hmm. to promote new authors you have mm -hmm. to uh, bring back established authors because when established authors come the money comes in and that mm -hmm. is how the new authors are are then recognized and mm -hmm. read and and attended so it's a it's a big jigsaw puzzle that one has to put together and makes you know make a sense out of it and at the end of it you have to make the audience happy because it's a free lit fest and mm. uh, uh, they don't pay anything for it which means if you don't pay for something you don't have to go for it yeah. so when yeah exactly so when uh, when they don't pay for it and they still are uh, tempted to coming come and attend it then, then that is the success of the lit fest i feel uh, so coming from 2013 where we barely had about uh, you know 1000 attendees to, mm -hmm. to 2019 where we had a footfall of about 18000 people over 3 days so i i think that's a huge thing and i'm very proud of my team and everyone associated with it for achieving it superb now manjuri uh... i understand that this literature festival as you said is a three day event but yes. definitely the preparations of it we have spoken about it before yes. but uh, yeah. let us speak about it on this podcast as well that uh, the preparation and the execution of it is not a three day event or not even a three month event how no, does it, it span throughout the year oh yes it starts at least six months before Uh, because uh, well, of course, because imagine 125 sessions mm. uh, with so many speakers in it. So mm. uh, to plan that, you have to really start six months before, see who's available. And our festival has a social theme attached to it every year, which doesn't mm. mean that the whole festival is on the social theme. But mm. as there is a, a social theme which has certain sessions and exhibition on it. We have an exhibition on a certain author, a legendary mm. author. So we mm. have there are many components to the festival which all have to. pan out in a certain way mm -hmm. uh, so along with the theme of the festival along with what we want to focus on that year everything mm -hmm. takes time uh, takes planning and it's a huge task a lot of people uh, you, you know can can kind of sit back and think hey i want to go to a lit fest but seriously uh, it's not easy even inviting your friends to a lit fest because mm -hmm. even there there's a catch to enter situation do you have a book out uh, do you fit in a panel do you uh, do you fit in with the theme of the of the things do mm -hmm. you get along with your co-panelists because they have you know there are ego issues that you have mm -hmm. to handle there are lots of things yeah mm -hmm. so it's a huge bit of planning right six months before the festival mm. and uh in the course of this literature festival you must have made many friends i mean when i say friends i don't mean the literature fraternity I mean the other people who either come, or the kind of collaborators, or the kind of stakeholders that you might be having. Would you like to tell me about those? Because uh, as a attendee to a literature festival, as a participant, I do interact with the authors. I do interact with a few re readers also, maybe the ones who come and talk to me. But I don't get to see the you know the behind the scenes story. So why don't you tell us about that? Well, yes, uh, you need to have like minded people on board. it's very important uh, because uh, i may have a vision certain vision for my festival but my sponsors may not have mm. uh, for ex or you know for example i may want a certain person in my committee but my sponsors may not want it mm. i may want a certain theme my sponsors so there has to be a, it is a collaborative event and mm -hmm. i'm very lucky to have met the right people for example vishwakarma publications is mm -hmm. our title sponsor 
and they have always given me a free way uh, in doing the festival in my own way with my own ideas they've never interfered and i think mm-hmm. that's a big boon because they are publishing into publishing themselves and mm-hmm. uh, every publisher would want to push in their books and support their authors but they haven't ever made this compulsory to me so i get uh, get to bring in whoever i want according mm-hmm. to whatever is needed so i'm very lucky to have vishwakarma mit uh, college has been mm-hmm. with us right from the first year so mm-hmm. when we didn't have you know any space they gave us mm-hmm. the space in their uh, in their college uh, they gave us things in kind they gave in their volunteers so they really mm-hmm. helped us out from the first year onwards uh, in the third year we moved from mit to uh, to yes, yashoda which was a more neutral place because people began to think it was an mit event a college event mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and we didn't want that because it's not a college event it's a national event mm-hmm. and so we and that too they understood you know so the kind of collaborativeness that has been happening between us all three i'm i'm really lucky touch wood and i feel mm-hmm. that more and more uh, same willed people with the same vision are joining us every year so it's a great thing to collaborate with uh, you know people with the same mm-hmm. views and same ideas yes superb and what are the specific challenges that you would like to say uh, about uh, bringing up a literature festival well challenges <laughs> your one year one hour podcast is not going to be enough for that <laughs> but let me begin with funds okay funding is something that is very unique to a festival because everything works on funds mm-hmm. and sponsors so um i must have approached more than uh, let me say 250 to 300 people over the last 7 8 years to try to get funds for pilf because it's a growing festival and if you want to bring in bigger people and bigger people uh, international you know uh, known yes. figures you have to put in money nobody nothing yeah. comes for free so uh, so that's why we need more and more funds but mm-hmm. i have to tell you this it's uh, the funding scene is so disappointing they you know people will tell me uh, are you going to sell a flat for us there will somebody buy my car and you know <laughs> these kind of questions and i tell them this is a lit fest i cannot sell your apartment here i can't sell your car here <laughs> and not just that you know people will um well i mean they'll say will we will i sit be able to sit next to the chief guest will you uh, i can't tell you the kind of conditions that they lay out will you move your festival to our venue uh, it's like you know I, i don't know how to handle them sometimes but yes i understand that they are everyone's looking in uh, to their interest to maximize and, their interests yeah to maximize their interest but they have to understand the limitations of a lit fest uh, they don't mm. understand the importance as well like people mm. will go and give in to a blind hospital or which is a great thing uh, mm. absolutely but or or given to a uh, give money to a mental hospital or whatever which is mm. absolutely wonderful and acceptable but what i what they don't seem to understand is that you have to also put in money for preventive measures instead of curative measures Mm. if you i i seriously believe that a lit fest or literature arts everything helps to healing a person uh, to making a person whole to giving uh, to giving them everything that they desire to unburden themselves to lose the emotional baggage literature has a big role in all of this mm-hmm. and this it, this itself would prevent a lot of diseases from happening if they promote these kind of festivals and you know uh, culture oriented Uh, festivals happen then a lot of goodwill a lot of pressure will also be released from the festival goodwill created and pressure released from the festival which would mm-hmm. prevent uh, you know more hospitals coming up in a sense mm-hmm. more people in the hospitals so a preventive this is a preventive measure and they need to put in money in a preventive measure mm-hmm. so that is something they don't understand i've tried to explain but well i ho- i'm hoping i'm still hopeful so that's one mm-hmm. huge challenge uh, the second huge challenge is um, is that a lot of people sometimes uh well i call this my 
170 weddings uh, because <laughs> it's not it's it's not <laughs> it's people think it's my 170 daughters are going to get married uh, that's how they behave with me when they're invited <laughs> to a festival so the demands the conditions of authors or speakers are so many i tell them boss mere wedding nahi hai mere ghar ki bhi wedding nahi hai aap aao it's a social cause uh, it's for uh, it's a platform for everyone so i think that is another uh, big thing for me inviting people and making them see that this is a social cause it's a platform mm-hmm. for everyone uh, and not everything is about money i think these are the two basic challenges yeah okay so uh, if i may graduate like you have from pune international literature festival to pune international spiritual festival mm-hmm. how did spiritual festival come out i mean i understand that a festival is a gradual extension from mm-hmm. one to the other but yeah. are you a spiritual person yourself yeah very much so like i said i've grown up in this atmosphere of astrology and meditation mm-hmm. and my mom is my first guru so mm-hmm. uh, so I, i i do believe that spirituality is not necessarily uh, doing meditation and yoga going to the himalayas i think there are spiritual things all around us and there's a lot to learn from every single person we reach uh, we need uh, we meet and uh, uh, let me say this again there's you can learn from every single person you meet and mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's everybody's journey that matters it's how they do that journey that matters international festival of spiritual india and we call it in brackets for humanities and wisdom okay mm-hmm. is about providing tools for every human being to find the direction in life so mm-hmm. it's like uh, uh, we want every person to find their soul purpose to learn something from the festival and take something back concrete so that you can live your life to the fullest mm-hmm. so when we did pilf uh, in 2013 from then we were uh, we had a couple of sessions on spirituality and every year we have something to do with that but it was last year that we decided that it was really time now to uh, you know this this topic deserved a separate mm. festival and it was something very concrete that i wanted to give back to society the mm. underlying message in the festival is spread love peace compassion make mm. people conscious of their of their choices and let them li- live a very compassionate life and mm. spread love so that is basically it but you can't be compassionate and and loving when there are things happening in your life all the time you know mm-hmm. there are upsetting things you lose somebody there's grief in your life you lose a job there's so many things happening so how do you cope with all this mm-hmm. so that was the first step we wanted people to have tools to cope with uh, their ups and downs in life and then the next step is of course to spread love peace compassion so that mm-hmm. is the goal of this festival okay and uh, manjuri my last question you have been a very uh, active advocate of animal care yes uh, how do you make yourself heard i mean i know that animals do play a role in your stories mm-hmm. but beyond that or within that uh, if you would like to tell us something about that because uh, that is something is very much the need of the art as well yes so i i do believe that coexistence and harmony is very very important today and it begins with caring for street animals mm-hmm. uh you know uh, if we all of us are all of us are looking for unconditional love we are pining mm-hmm. for love somewhere deep in our hearts we are seeking love and uh, some kind of a connection some soul connections and i feel if you want unconditional love it begins with caring for street dogs you mm-hmm. see they have nothing to gain from you you have nothing to gain from them when there is no there's nothing selfish attached to each other it becomes unconditional and where will you get unconditional love from 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 caring for animals uh, you won't get any votes from them you won't get any money from them no inheritance you get nothing from them so mm-hmm. when it's when it's that transparent when it's that clear and when it's that's pure 
that's where mm-hmm. unconditional love starts and that's where the, the whole the, the the reason for this existence begins so mm-hmm. i feel so uh, from from my end uh, i have always cared for street dogs you know not mm-hmm. just me my entire family my husband uh, for the last 30 40 years we've taken care of hundreds of street dogs we get them sterilized we get them adopted if they don't get adopted we take care of them we give them meals we make mm-hmm. sure that they are looked after in our areas of course there's a mm-hmm. huge huge uh, population of un how should i say unfed uh, hungry uh, ill and weak uh, dogs out there and a lot of people in their own capacity are doing things and mm-hmm. this is very important because when so many so many compassionate people come together there's mm-hmm. bound to be a wave of compassion you know snowballing into this world and mm-hmm. i i i call this my dog train of peace uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 a something i really really believe in and my uh, my book will come out soon on that uh, so Yes, it's a it's it's going to be a very special book. It's completely non-fiction. It talks about experiences and my own personal theory of mm-hmm. a non-spiritual path to peace in this world. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's not just my passion. It's something I really believe in, and I think dogs are so uh, connected to us. I do mm-hmm. believe that dog inverted is god, and um, it will take some time for people to understand this. uh because uh, i feel that there is a divine compartment in each person's heart mm-hmm. uh, this divine compartment opens when you start taking care of animals mm-hmm. uh, so and the, and that compartment has a direct connection to the divine this mm-hmm. is something i really believe in and you can ask lots of animal lovers you go out there and talk to you know you sometimes you find animal activists very aggressive uh, very uh, very rude sometimes because mm-hmm. they've understood this and they want to explain it to others but they can't do it because not mm-hmm. everyone understands this so i feel that the first most important thing to do is start caring for your street dog uh is the least they expect from you a little bit of food just a stroke on their head or a pat on their head is all they want from you love and a little bit of food i think it's a good way to start uh, compassion and love in the world that's so beautifully explained manjuri thank you so much for coming with us on our podcast and i really really uh, appreciate your time i mean the time that you have given to us for this uh, recording i really enjoyed talking to you thank you coral i enjoyed talking about all this i haven't really spoken in depth about all my ideas like this before so thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk like this and uh, good luck for all your other sessions too thank you so much and big hug to you from mumbai but yes. whatever do feel the hug <laughs> yeah i got it Thank you. <laughs> Thank you audience for listening to our show Book Lounge brought to you by iCafe Podcasts. Please do reach out to us with your thoughts and suggestions on hello at icafepodcasts.com. Subscribe to www.icafepodcasts.com and you can also hear us on other audio apps. Stay tuned with us for Book Lounge. iCafe is brewing.